the death of Lazarus in John 11. Uh, it's got to be one of the saddest stories. It's one of the happiest stories in a way, and it's one of the saddest stories at the same time. Hopefully, I can explain how that is. This is something that I've encountered. I think Dr. Hahn probably was the first one. Scott Hahn, my, my kind of mentor, was the first one who mentioned this to me. But connecting John 11, in which we have the death of Lazarus and his resurrection, to Luke 16 and the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. So I, I think I'll start with the parable of the rich man and Lazarus and then move to the death of Lazarus. So if you got your Bible, this is where I'm going to read it as well. So whatever works. <laughs> this is from Luke 16. So in Luke 16, Jesus has been uh, conversing with his disciples and the Pharisees are also there. Uh, and in the beginning of Luke 16, he tells the parable of the dishonest manager, the dishonest man who had the steward and the steward was uh, dishonest with the money, etc. And then he has this line in verse 13. It's a very powerful one. No servant can serve two masters, for he either will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Ooh, wow, okay. So you can't serve God and worship money at the same time. The Pharisees who were lovers of money heard all this and they scoffed at him. But he said to them, you are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. For what is exalted among men is an abomination in the sight of God. So, and then there he, uh, you know, the Pharisees are his interlocutors most of the time. And the Pharisees <clears throat> are these, um, you know, very powerful in the temple, but at the same time, they're leading this kind of rabbinic uh, populist movement. Yeah, they're opposing Christ at every, at every chance. Okay, now let's get to the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. So in verse 19, there was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus, full of sores, who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy upon me and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am in anguish in the flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that you in your lifetime received your good things, and Lazarus in like manner evil things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in anguish. And besides all this, between us and you a great chasm has been fixed, in order that those who would pass from here to there to you may not be able, and none may cross from there to us. And the rich man said, Then I beg you, Father, to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that he may warn them, lest they come also to this place of torment. But Abraham said, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. Okay, a few things first off. It's very rare in parables. Actually, there's no other examples in the New Testament uh, where <laughs> you have someone being named. Um, most of the time in parables, like the one right above us, you have like a rich man, a steward, a master, etc. But down here we have Lazarus, the name Lazarus. Okay. Where's the other time we find Lazarus? Oh, John 11. There's someone named Lazarus and he plays a very important story there. And what are we talking about here? 
Uh, so the Pharisees are the worshipers of money. And we have this parable of a rich man and a poor man named Lazarus full of sores. Okay. So, I mean, we just read the story, you know, the Lazarus is carried up into Abraham's bosom. The rich man goes into Hades. And what does the rich man do? Well, first he wants, you know, cool water. Um, And then Abraham very flatly says, okay, well, you got your good things. You didn't pay attention to Lazarus and now you're in anguish. And besides all this, there's this great chasm. I can't go. And what does the rich man want? Well, he wants someone to be sent to his father's house to tell his brothers, you know, you need to repent and change your ways. And what does Abraham say in reply? Well, of course, you have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And the rich man said, no, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. And Abraham says this very, (laughs) it's a very shocking line. If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, so if they don't hear Moses and the prophets telling them to live justly and reform their ways, if they're not listening to the law, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. So it's a very like, ooh, it's a, you know, what's the the conclusion of the story? Well, you rich men, uh, you know, you and your brothers, not only are you not listening to the gospel, but what Father Abraham says, if you don't hear Moses and the prophets, even if someone rises from the dead, you're still not going to believe. Okay. So a few things. Lazarus being named, okay, a rich man. Lazarus dies in a way from neglect from the rich man. And then finally, we had this talk of they won't be convinced even if someone should rise from the dead. Just a little commentary on the rich man. Um, like what is his, what, what is the, the issue here? Uh, St. Jerome really gets at it. He says, you know, wealth in and of itself is not evil for someone to have. Now it has to be, you know, how did you acquire that wealth? You know, did you acquire the wealth, uh, by dispossessing the people who worked for you? Did you somehow steal it? Did you, you know, ill gotten gains is definitely uh, a problem. So, but you have a rich man and what does riches make you do, but, uh, neglect the poor basically makes the poor invisible to you. Um, and I mean, you can see this just in how (laughs) most modern societies are, are constructed where you have large areas of poverty and then you have, um, the wealthier areas being outside of those areas of poverty where most of the people live. Um, so what wealth can do is blind you to the poverty of those below you. Um, there's, Yeah, we don't need to go farther than that. But that's what happens is the rich man who's eating sumptuously, you have Lazarus who's sitting by his table and wanted to get whatever, you know, fell from the rich man's table. Okay, now let's move to John 11 and see if there's a connection here. So a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, in the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters send to him and say, you know, Lord, he whom you love is ill. Jesus said, this illness is not unto death. It is for the glory of God. So then we have this weird part where Jesus stays in the place where he is longer than expected. And he says to his disciples, okay, we're going back into Judea. And the disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were but now seeking to stone you. And are you going there again? And this is a reference back that Jesus was preaching these things to the Jews in the last like four chapters of John's gospel. And uh, they were so angry with Christ that they wanted to stone him and kill him. And then Jesus says, you know, we need to go uh, to Lazarus. My friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. 
But Jesus spoke of his death. And Jesus told them plainly in verse 14, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad that I was not there so that you may believe. Let us go to him. Thomas called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. So the tipping point is really, really big, right? Because the Jews were just trying to kill Christ. And now Christ is going to go back into the, the hornet's nest into Judea where the Jews are trying to kill him because he needs to raise Lazarus. And so all the apostles are feeling the tension between Jesus and the Jews. Okay, so in verse 17, when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Mary and Martha to console them concerning their brother. So yeah, Bethany's very close to Jerusalem. It's a very short walk, two miles, about two miles off. So Martha comes and meet Jesus and says, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And Jesus says, your brother will rise again and ask for faith. And then Mary comes and says the same thing. Then Mary, when she saw where Jesus was and came to him, fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Okay. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And then we have uh, verse 35, Jesus wept. So uh, let me just quickly, yeah. So it's, it's a, a strange phrase. Uh, the Jesus was angered in spirit and troubled. Like what would he be angered in spirit about? Uh, so this is in verse 34. So the word in Greek, we have, he was in it. In a brimisato, to numatai kai etarken hauton. So the deeply moved in spirit means he was in angered. He was deeply moved. He was in angered in spirit, and etarken troubled himself. So you understand why he can be. Let's say you know some people have interpreted this. He's angry because he saw you know the 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 death of his friend, and he's angered that death would be there. And that definitely is true. But why would John add the part when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was in angered in spirit and deeply troubled himself is one interpretation. Like, why is he angry seeing, you know, Mary weeping, but also seeing the Jews weeping? And he said, where have you laid them? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved them. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus deeply moved again. <laughs> so, imbrimo minoso, um, which is uh, super angered, basically, <laughs> comes to the tomb. Now, why is he angry? Well, the Jews here, first of all, the Jews are there weeping, and he's deeply moved and troubled. And then the Jews say, Oh, could this man who opened the eyes of the blind man, couldn't he have kept this man from dying, this wonder worker guy? And then Jesus is super angry again. Okay, so he comes to the tomb. Jesus says, take away the stone. Um, and then he says this prayer. Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. I knew that thou hearest me always, but I have said this on account of the people standing by, that they may believe that you have sent me. When he had said this, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. 
The dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with bandages, and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Okay, so a few questions from this. So we had a few questions from, you know, verse Luke 16. Why would you tell a parable with a story named Lazarus? Like, why tell that? And then we have this idea that, you know, if people, you know, if the rich man and his brothers, you know, they had Moses and the prophets, they had all that to believe, but they didn't. And then Abraham has this really killer line in verse 31 of, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. Also, another point I should point out, I'm just going to keep throwing stuff out there, but what was the previous conversation in John 8 through 10? Well, the previous conversation in 8 through 10 was, you know, we're children of Abraham, we're Abraham's children. And then Jesus says, if you were truly Abraham's children, you would believe me because I'm the one who Abraham and Moses and all the prophets basically foretold. So now in, in chapter 11 of John's gospel, now we have someone rising from the dead. I'm kind of preempting the conclusion here, but I, I hope we're, we're building a case of this connection of the parable of rich man and Lazarus, and then the death and resurrection of Lazarus in John 11. Okay, and then finally, let's go to verse 45 in John 11. So if we're going to backtrack, what are all the problems we're dealing with? Why tell a parable about Lazarus who dies of neglect in a parable? And why would the conclusion of the story be unbelief and unrepentance, even if someone rises from the dead? And then when we move to the story of Lazarus, why is Jesus so upset, angered in spirit when he sees the Jews there? And why is he also angered in spirit when uh, they say, could he have not kept him from dying? Okay, now we come to the climax of the story. So Lazarus is now alive. And in verse 45, many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what he did, believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. So the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered the council and said, what are we to do? For this man performs many signs. If we let him go on thus, everyone will believe in him. And the Romans will come and destroy both our holy place and our nation. But one of them, Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, said to them, you know nothing at all. You do not understand that it is expedient for you that one man should die for the people and that the whole nation should not perish. He did not say this of his own accord, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus should die for the nation and not for the nation only, but to gather into one the children of God who are scattered abroad. So from that day on, they took counsel how to put him to death. Jesus, therefore, no longer went about openly among the Jews, but he went, but went from there to the country near the wilderness to a town called Ephraim. And there he stayed with his disciples. Now the Passover of the Jews was at hand, and many went up from the country to Jerusalem before the Passover to purify themselves. They were looking for Jesus and saying to one another as they stood in the temple, What do you think, that he will not come to the feast? Now the chief priests and the Pharisees had given orders that if anyone knew where he was, he should let them know so they might arrest him. Okay. All right. Someone gets risen from the dead, Lazarus. And many of the Jews are now believing in him, but the Pharisees hear this and they gather a council with the chief priest Caiaphas and say, if we let him continue to be alive, um, then, you know, everyone's going to believe in him and the Romans are going to come and destroy both our holy place and our nation. They're going to take all our wealth away from us and kill us. Right. Um, So 
Here's where I would make the connection with the story and, and probably give you more, hopefully this will give you more depth than, uh, if I can argue it best as I can here. Um, so Lazarus gets risen from the dead and what do the Pharisees do? They don't believe in Christ even after he's raised somebody from the dead, but they seek to kill him. Uh, and so the one who raises him from the dead, he, they seek to kill him. So a few things that would help then with the interpretation then. Luke 16 is not some random parable about wealth. While it definitely deals with wealth and you know the, the problems that wealth can, can bring, ill-gotten gains, first of all, worshiping mammon, as he talks about before, but also the fact that wealth can often blind you to the needs of others. Well, he tells the story, this parable in Luke 16, because this is actually the scenario that led to Lazarus's death. So in some way, and we will never know completely, but the rich man in this story represents the Jews in some way, that they had neglected, that those around Lazarus and his family had neglected him, and that neglect was part of the reason why Lazarus died. And so when the Jews come to weep for Lazarus, Jesus is angered in spirit. And he's angered in spirit, of course, because Lazarus has died, but also angered in spirit that the Jews, who he's been arguing with for the last few chapters, not only have not believed in him, but are, are also part of the instruments in Lazarus's death. If, if you take uh, Luke 16 as being indicative of Lazarus's actual situation. Then we also have this idea that um, in the parable where Abraham says, you know, if they don't hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. Well, this gets fulfilled in verses 45 onward, where even when Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead, the Jews are still unbelieving. And in fact, they're seeking to put Jesus to death <laughs> because he raised Lazarus. So hopefully all of this, um, so this is my you know, I found it to be a much richer way of looking at Lazarus of Bethany and also this opposition in John's gospel. I think oftentimes it gets a little glossed over just how antagonistic um, the Jews from Jerusalem were to Christ. And John's gospel making his uh, the antithesis, the the uh, uh, the antithesis between the Jews and between Jesus's ministry. Um, it also raises on the level of malicious neglect of the poor. And this is a sign of corruption that gets brought up in the Old Testament often, neglecting widows and orphans. And um, I also, so this is probably preempting another uh, discussion, but the village of Mary and Martha, I think, you know, and it says it was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair. I take the traditional view that Mary of Bethany which that word's never used. Mary is not Mary of Bethany. She's Mary who lives in Bethany, but she's never called Mary of Bethany anywhere in the New Testament. I believe that Mary is also Mary Magdalene, uh, the one from whom seven demons were cast out of. Uh, Magdala would be in the north of Galilee, and it's possible that she uh, moved up there for some type of work. Um, it's also known that she may have been, you know, a woman of this, the the woman who's described as the woman of the city in uh, in Luke's gospel, and that she she was forced into that type of work um, uh, by need or necessity. So I think it provides that's probably a tangent, and for a later video, 
uh, or later later uh, discussion. But I hope this uh, raises some interesting points, and maybe you can run off of. Uh, you know, maybe I haven't argued it as well. At, you know, at the point that you think there there is this connection between Luke sixteen, the parable of the rich man and Lazarus, and the death of Lazarus and his resurrection. I think the undeniable argument, the arguments here, I present one more time, is that. Um, First of all, it's so weird to have a story naming the character, naming Lazarus. Second, the discussion of Abraham, you know, Abraham's the main uh, the main speaker in Luke 16, uh, that parable. And in the previous discussion in John's gospel, 8 through 10, it's all been about uh, Abraham. You can go and, and look it up. Abraham is featured prominently of, we're the children of Abraham. The Jews keep saying, we're the children of Abraham. And Christ says to them, if you, be- if you were really children of Abraham, you would uh, believe in me, but you don't. Finally, in Luke's uh, in Luke sixteen, the rich man and Lazarus, we have the notion that even if they don't hear, if they don't hear Moses and the prophets, they won't be convinced even if someone should rise from the dead. And then in John eleven, we have that name Lazarus. And then secondly, we have uh, Jesus being angered at the Jews, being angry that the Jews are crying over someone that according, if this interpretation is correct, someone that died because of their own neglect, that they neglected Lazarus and he died because of this. Finally, the argument would be when Lazarus comes out and is alive, they don't believe in Christ, but instead of believing in Christ, they they seek to put him to death. So even if someone should rise from the dead, they still won't believe. So I hope you enjoyed this. This was a bit intensive. Um, I invite you to go look at Luke 16 verses 19 through 31 more intensely, and especially John 11. Um, hopefully this interpretation's helped you uh, gain some understanding. And uh, yeah, that wraps it up.